welcome nerdy knights of the well-rounded table to bohemian geek studies where we take extremely dorky dives into our favorite fandoms i'm padawan learner and defender of droids sarah o'connor welcome hello there it's just for you yeah. Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I, i'm colleen mcmillan Jedi Master and Rebel Scum Collaborator. And I am your pirate Jedi, Anders Drew. And I'm your ambassador to Naboo, Flo Siegel. You know what, folks? We truly run the gamut here in terms of rank, from Padawan to Knight and apparently Pirate to Master. Duh. But you know what? No matter the rank that you carry, one thing adorably remains constant. Much to learn, we still have. Definitely, definitely. And today on Bohemian Geek Studies, we are digging ourselves a little bit deeper into the first four episodes of season two of The Mandalorian. Beware, there will be spoilers for all episodes of the show up until now, as well as some wild speculation about the future. So if you're all caught up with Mandalorian, grab your favorite drink from the cantina, snuggle up with Baby Yoda, and sit back in that newly repaired Razor Crest as we settle in and dive into Din Djarin's very questionable parenting style. Yeah. I mean, he's trying. He's trying. <laughs> he is. He's so, trying. He's trying to get better. Absolutely. So continuing our tradition from our Clone Wars pods that you hopefully got to listen to with respect to the last Clone Wars season, we're heading to the Jedi archives today to check out our seven holocrons, those delicious, delightful repositories of knowledge you know and love. And you mm-hmm. know what? These really could have helped Mando out on his mission and or his side quests, side quests, side quests. <laughs> side quests. <laughs> so Colleen, why don't you start kicking us off since uh, you and me were there for its genesis with the setting times and location. Talk to us about time, lovely lady. Here we go, guys. Buckle in. So we have our timeline. There's been plenty of debate about the timelines for the show. So let's settle a couple of things just to start out with. Mandalorian begins in 9 ABY. We might be in 10 ABY now. We're not sure exactly if a year has passed, but we're all in tons of Or what they consider to be a year. A year, yeah. 9 ABY is where we start. And for all those who are not quite used to the Star Wars timeline, that means after the Battle of Yavin from A New Hope. So that's kind of our baseline from where we start. To center us even a little bit more, the Rebels, gotta plug Rebels always, Always. epilogue is set in (laughs) 5 ABY. So we have to kind of wonder, those four years in between, what are Ahsoka and Sabine up to in the interim? I think we're going to find out. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I hope so. Are we going to see Ezra? Are we going to see Sabine? Are we going to see Thrawn in this series? I mean, you might pass I've out. also got some questions. I've got some questions about the gap between Rebels ending and its epilogue. Yes, I've got that some too. questions about that timeline. Which they were just chilling the on most- Lothal. <laughs> Everybody's just if Sabine, if Sabine should, well, get to this Hera, a little Hera bit later. Was, uh, we'll get we'll get to this gone. a little bit later when we uh, when we talk about Bogotan. Yes, <laughs> I got some questions. I personally think Dave Filoni, though, is going to strap on his own personal jetpack and, like, fly into the sunset with a new series. So, Sabine, road trip, please. (laughs) (laughs) And speaking of road trip, Flo, what are these fun little places that we've visited so far in season two? We have visited some pretty cool places, both familiar and new. Episode nine, we were on Tatooine, my favorite, of course. Um, And, of course, a Star Wars favorite, too, but mostly me, since, you know. (laughs) 
Uh, we cannot escape its gravitational pull, you know, because of the two suns. Yeah. 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 yeah there, there are two suns there. There's some gravity. There's some gravity going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and also just like really hot desert men. Anyways, <laughs> in episode ten, we journeyed back to Maldo Crease, the very first planet we saw Mando on in season one, episode one, which mm-hmm. is something new that we noticed, right? Yeah, I don't think we picked that up on our first watch. Yeah, so but we now we're on like now. fifth watch, so we're fine. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Wikipedia. Well done. <laughs> and that place seems to be teeming with deadly creatures, so like literally why the hell does anybody live there? I, I don't know. People are crazy. Mm-hmm. But then again, people live in like Bakersfield, California, so I don't know. There's crazy people <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> Sorry if you live in Bakersfield, but also gross. Yeah, great uh, <laughs> reference for great reference for most people. <laughs> Episode 11 brought us to the estuary moon of Trask, which orbits the gas giant Kol Ibn, and this was the first appearance of these outer rim, please don't say it yet, Sarah. <laughs> wait, you have to wait for it. I still say that should have just been Moncala, like there was no reason for that not to just be Moncala. That's that's fair. I agree. I agree. And then episode 12, we came back to Navarro to visit Grief and Kara, um, that science facility. Plus, it's also where the client met with Mando in season one. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could indicate that it's got more importance than meets the eye, which it probably mm. does. Honestly. Yeah, I was actually, I was thinking about this. It started to remind me of the Legends novel, The Approaching Storm, which takes place like right before Attack of the Clones. Um, and it like, oh, I'm it's sorry, all you about- mean the best movie in the entire Star Wars universe? <laughs> no best of the prequels sure i'll give you that <laughs> i'll take it um, i'll take it <laughs> but it's the they keep talking about this planet Anceon, and anytime anyone mentions it they like always specify that it looks completely insignificant mm-hmm. but if you think about it for a second it's actually like strategically super important <laughs> mm-hmm. good shit so mm-hmm. i'm wondering if navarro kind of has some of that going on i mean it just seems like we started there keep going back you know it, it we keep ending There's up a there pull. yeah yeah There's something exactly. about it it's like tatooine too just keep right. going back to navarro <laughs> but Anyways. now that we've kind of covered places anders why don't you teach us about these favorite characters of ours some of them maybe least favorite characters who knows but like who who's here and why do we care about them returning and new Mm-hmm. Yes, so we've met several new characters this season. We've also brought back several old old ones, which mm-hmm. it, there's actually a decent amount of them here, considering it's only been four episodes. For sure. Um, so we met Katie Sackhoff's Bo-Katan Kreese, along with her Mandalorian companions, Sasha Banks's Koska Reeves, and Simon Cassianides' ex-Woves. Again, um, best names. Those, prob- those may Great have been name. some of the splashiest intros, pun only half intended. Um <laughs> that we've had so far <laughs> wait i see i see now okay i'm sorry um then we did get a nice little glimpse of tamara morrison as the cloaked figure at the end of episode one interesting though i remember when i first was doing some research for that episode he was listed on imdb as boba fett and then mm. when i went back to and then when i when i went back to it to check on the rest of the supporting cast from that episode like yesterday or today, it had changed to cloaked figure. Ooh. So is there a chance that that's not Boba Fett, or is it just just that uh, they're is not willing? They're just not willing to actually say it. Yeah, are they cracking down a little bit? 
That would be a that would be a super <laughs> weird, weird ending though if it isn't that like if it isn't Boba Fett. True. And then right. afterwards, I went back and I rewatched. I actually rewatched the credits from that episode, and it doesn't specify who he is. It just says guest starring Tamara Morrison. Yeah. So be, either. I'm, I'm no, go ahead. Say, I'm gonna be totally honest. I forgot there was even a Boba Fett plot line in this because it's been so long. <laughs> It's just the tip of a blob of fat. It's been three line. episodes. <laughs> it's just the tip. It feels like it's been because then we like shifted to Ahsoka, and so now I'm like Ahsoka, Ahsoka, Ahsoka. Totally forgot. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're good. Um, we also what? met the frog lady, and her husband, and now her babies. Amen. Um, and of course, way back, I'm sure Flo's already forgotten about this too. No, we met I did Timothy not. Elephant. No, because he's van. hot. <laughs> <laughs> On the radar. He's on um, everyone's radar. <laughs> um, and then obviously we uh, also saw Amy Sedaris come back as Peli Motto, the lovable mechanic. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I love how she stands in for the audience. Like at least uh, there, there's a little bit of Grief Karga doing that as well. But I really, 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 really love what they do with Pele and the could audience they, there. Could they just like combine them both and have Peli ask him to do the magic hand thing? <laughs> For sure, yes, absolutely. I would watch that. Maybe they could just like run a little daycare for baby Yodes. Just like that'd be so cute. Just like well, yeah. No, grief wouldn't be that good. Started. Grief wouldn't be that good at that because he would just pop him down in a fifth grade class and say, "Yeah, you're fine." <laughs> right. Oh, right. That happened. <laughs> baby steps, literally and figuratively. Um, but we've also um, obviously Gina Carano is back as Cara Dune now. Marshall Cara Dune. Right. Um, Carl Weathers is back, like we said, as Grief Karga, now the magistrate, which I I don't know why. I just find that really, really funny. It's like when you find out that the mobsters become the mayor. Mm, mm-hmm. like, what happened? And, he, and he's actually doing a good job. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is leveling up there. I mean, everything's flourishing. I love like it that. It thriving. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Horatio Sands is back as the Mithral. Again, the unnamed Mithral. Ridiculous. Uh, yep. And then on the Empire side, you, you've got Giancarlo Esposito back as Moff Gideon and Omed Atahi back as Dr. Pershing. Mm-hmm. And then a little bit of a hybrid tape here. You got Paul Sun, Sun Huynh Lee's uh, back in as Captain Tiva, a new character, and Dave Filoni cameoing again as Trapper Wolf because, of course, his name is Wolf. <laughs> Trapper Wolf just sounds like Trapper somebody Wolf. who lives in, like, North Dakota. Yeah. Yeah. Like they changed their name from like Bob Green to Trapper yeah, Wolf like, and are now in a cabin yeah. in the woods somewhere. It's totally. also, I don't know. It just seems like one of those names that's like so on the nose. Like I partially refuse to believe that his family is not filled with people named Hunter and Trapper or whatever. Right. <laughs> like, oh, like yeah. the Bad Batch character names. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, what about I, a nice question from one yeah. of our listeners? So, friend of the pod, uh, Keith wanted to know if we're going to lose any of these characters this season in the same way we lost Quill and IG at the end of season one. Got that nice little monument to to Mm -hmm. IG. Um, Where's Quill's monument? I don't know. We should have one. There should be a bigger statue. Definitely. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. But will any of these characters die in the last episode? What do you guys think? Are we going to lose anyone along the way? I think the doctor is expendable. We could lose Pershing. That's a good point. Yeah. could lose Tiva. Who wants to say? Or Trapper Wolf. Like, we could lose some X-Wing pilots if they come back to help. I was actually going to say, I I would think Tiva would be the one. He's the one we've seen twice so far. Especially if he gets closer to Kara. He's he's on Mando's tail. 
who knows? Maybe we'll lose Kara. Maybe they're setting her up for a nice little sacrifice arc because they're tired of having her being such a controversy outside of the show. Yep. And that would be interesting for Mando's storyline if he lost that close of a friend. So it that's a definite possibility at this point. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I'm just think we're going to lose anyone I else. I want to manifest some destiny on Gina. This is all I want. Okay. Listen, girl. This this goes straight to you from the heart. Have a real character arc in real life, and then you can stay for season three. That's all I'm asking. Flo, I'm sorry. Back to you. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm all about a redemption arc for anybody. Go go get yours. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, hear me out. What if, <laughs> what if we lose LBY, but don't really lose him, but we lose him to the dark mm-hmm. side? I am still. Yeah, I love. I love. I think that that's totally possible. That is totally possible. I think it will eventually happen. All I want in this world is for like all of these kids, including my own, to have bought all this Baby Yoda merch and now all of a sudden have him be like this huge, horrible Sith Lord. That's all I want. I think. (laughs) I think it would be compelling. And I mean, it's not like people don't love a good Sith Lord. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think he needs to get older before he turns, though. No, but how great would it be that it's this non-speaking infant Darth Yoda? <laughs> and and I mean, here's here's the thing. Before we get too much of on a tangent on this, but like, we've seen Baby Yoda behave in bad behavior consistently. Yeah. Now, now he's a toddler, so like, don't at me on it. But really when we look at it we see some bullying cute little tactics and just because you have a cute mug doesn't mean at the end of the day what you're not doing is bad i i would love it flo i would watch it i I mean he stole just last episode (laughs) that's exactly precisely ding ding and there's nothing scarier than a child with no absolutely yeah like no holds barred because they don't have the developed empathetic skills yet Mm -hmm. yes exactly it's very it's It's very very, um i can't remember the character name but there's a very great compelling character exactly like this in the aragon series so plug for that book Mm -hmm. yeah if you haven't read it yet i i find that character to be absolutely delicious i mean also like with he doesn't really have a parent like people have been kind of coming in and out of his life like if you Mm -hmm. take a look at the umbrella academy for example like those kids had a really weird upbringing and now I mean, yes, they're like heroes or whatever, but like they are messed up, fucked up shit going on. Yeah, yeah they're all yeah. mentally damaged. In Man, some I love way yeah. from that. Why don't we get to our third holocron, our cool creatures and cool cultures? Anders, take it away. Sure. So we've met several new creatures this season. Um, my favorite so far has been that first major one that we saw, the crate dragon. It was just so cool. It was so well done. It was this big, splashy special effects thing way to open up the season. Um, several callbacks to a lot of different like film franchises and things that I love watching. So mm-hmm. again, everything about that whole thing was just really, really cool. Yeah. You know what else was really cool? A little <laughs> tiny, adorable lava mirror cat. We don't know what's lava until the credits. That was only concept art. (laughs) Well, it's on Wikipedia now. (laughs) So it counts. So it's real. Yeah. According to them, at least it's on there. But I mean, it could be called something else eventually. But they say lava meerkat, which I am here for because he does the little. So cute. Meerkat thing. (laughs) And we actually saw these little guys in season one, episode eight. We didn't Uh see them fully, but their little eyeballs were 
around in How when they're trying you? to of escape. Of course you would know that. The lava of course river. you would know that. She has a meerkat radar. It's also yeah. on Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> Research. Yay. But yes, that's my favorite creature so far. <laughs> well, I'm putting my vote in for the representatives of the infertility community in the Mandalorian. Adorable tadpole baby is the winner. Also the frog people. I'm just like obsessed with them. And I would read all the fan fiction about the frog lady and her husband. An actual successful Star Wars couple. Yes. So sweet. Honestly, that was like the most romantic thing we've seen yet. It was so great. Anyway, so good. We ever get an explanation for why they were separated in the first place? Well, he might have had to earn some money. Yeah. He was looking for a place to settle. So there you they go. Finally chose Trask. They had to Jane Austen this. Yes. Like, okay. He okay. had to travel okay. across the borders <laughs> of the galaxy. <laughs> One thing that I do want us to mention for not just adorable animals, but there's a really cool culture thread throughout the whole Mandalorian. L- learning more about Din's particular sect of the Mandalorian culture, which mm-hmm. has really allowed fans, like even my in-laws are talking about this, from all different levels of Star Wars devotion to debate who is and who is not a Mandalorian sure. based on whether or not they remove their masks. And so I think that culture within a culture is really, really fascinating. And it's a great way to show real world implications that just because you're under some umbrella doesn't mean everyone agrees within that umbrella. I I absolutely love it. I would throw back, um, we mentioned this on our episode one pod, but getting a little bit more of the uh, the sand people culture. Yes. And the sign language. Oh, good one, cool. Anders. Um, yes. I forget, I forget now if we mentioned this, but we did find out, I think after we recorded that episode, that they did actually bring in a deaf actor yes. to develop the oh, same people sign language. That's, that's awesome. So cool. That was super cool. That was super cool. <laughs> Just in terms of like Din's sect, like I am worried about where he came from because it feels yeah. really culty and yeah. like I... I'm just interested to see how they go into that because I'm worried about it. I, I just feel like yeah. he's been really repressed and mm-hmm. I, I just feel weird about it. Yeah. And a lot I of them were wiped out, so the armor is probably going to be recruiting. I just have a weird feeling about it. I just feel like Bo-Katan was like very judgmental about it. And so I'm just Well, like, if you finish uh, Clone Wars and Rebels, you might find out why. <laughs> yeah, there's no chance. <laughs> Well, speaking of things that we do want to see, I know that I want to see more of that Jedi culture, like fingers crossed, no matter how Baby Yoda turns out, the raising of younglings, because even though the child is 50 years old, maybe 51 by this point, he's still a child and we've never really seen anyone this young train we've seen children sure but definitely not at least from the mentality standpoint this young and so it'll be interesting to see i i hope you know whoever they all includes attack training one with the force so well like i i really worry and Mm -hmm. i wonder what that's going to be like from a training perspective um any thoughts on that or additional things that we do want to see i always wondered how they kept the Force-sensitive children under control, for lack of a better word. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. depending how powerful they were and when they started to exhibit their powers, because some of them test, like their blood tests came back high M count, and so they were admitted to the order, and they didn't exhibit their power until they were older, really, kind of like Neville. 
Were some kids in Harry Potter like they didn't exhibit it until later in life? But then were, there's were kids Yoda's just like tested automatically? Uh, mm -hmm. It depended on if it came from a family line that Got they it. thought might have a Jedi background, and then they usually relied on rumor and people reporting that Got they it. thought their kid might have it. On that note, I want to I want to see more of I don't know if this counts as a culture or what, but I want to know I want to know more about Baby Yoda's life up until this point. So he's fifty. Mm -hmm. That means he was actually born about nine years pre Phantom Menace. Same that's age how, as Anakin. That's how long ago he was he was born. So yeah, he's actually he's Anakin Skywalker's age. Mm -hmm. So well, maybe he had no father, just like Anakin. Yeah, Plagueis could have made him too. About we that. don't know. I, personally, <laughs> that whole deal with like Anakin not having a father. This is just a complete side note tangent. Up I'm until, always here for it. <laughs> up until like people like in like fan circles and stuff started talking about that as like the the immaculate conception or whatever. Mm -hmm. I yeah. just always I had always assumed up until that point that when Shmi said that there was no father, that he had just been like a deadbeat that she kicked to the curb. She's That's like, I did I this myself. Too. <laughs> See and. Okay. I had always thought it was supposed to be an immaculate conception thing, and that always bothered me because I was like, yeah. "No, though." But that anyway, going back too. to it, presumably, I mean, he is that powerful with the Force. I find it very hard to believe that, like Yoda himself, didn't mm -hmm. know that this kid was out there. Mm -hmm. who, right. Well, who was who was raising him? Who was protecting right. him when we when we found him in Episode One? What right. was he doing? How have was they kept him hidden from, from the parents? Empire this like, whole time? How right. did the Empire eventually actually find out about him? Like, I want to know that whole story. I mean, I do think that's going to be really important coming up. Like, it has Definitely. to be right. Like, we're all wondering that, and it yeah. seems yeah. like fifty years. It's a long time to hide a baby Yoda. Like, well, and they small, said but... they said fifty years like a million times. Like fifty, yeah. he's fifty, he's fifty. Like he's 50. okay, we got it. Like we know he's been around for a while. Okay, yes. chill. Yeah. And then I guess I don't know if this really counts as a culture, but I guess in a way, this whole new kind of cloning culture or stripping mm -hmm. midichlorians mm -hmm. or inserting midichlorians, something with the midichlorian count, I, I assume it's to pump one up with Jedi. <laughs> Sign me. It's, like a, it's yeah. a steroid, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, some Jedi steroid, the, the M. Um, I really want to see more about that. I definitely yeah, want to see cool. more about that. And, and I guess that really leads us nicely to Holocron number four because Holocron 4 deals with the cool items and there's not really too many new ones except kind of the cloning tanks mm -hmm. yeah maybe the thermal detonators I I will say one thing that I hadn't been sure about until now and kind of gets into Anders Anders is I want to know more about baby Yoda it kind of answers the question whether or not Baby Yoda is a clone or not, because he's do he's donor number one. He's patient right. zero, and you wouldn't be a clone if you were patient zero. Or am I completely is that true? Here? So, Colleen, you can kind of correct me on this because I was I was thinking about this, and I know that it's definitely a plot point at the beginning of Clone Wars. They make mention about the fact that since they don't have access to Jango Fett, they don't have access to that original donor material anymore. Mm -hmm. And they can't just use the clones that they have. Right. But is that because they've altered those clones' DNA? Could Boba have been a donor since he's unaltered? Maybe. And if Baby Yoda is unaltered, hmm. it, could that be an explanation that would make him both a clone and a donor? I can see it possibly working that way. Although you would think they would, 
be trying really hard to get a hold of Boba then, like way harder right. in Clone Wars. Like the comedians would be like, we need to find Boba though. Somebody go get yeah, Boba. Yeah, but then we wouldn't have all the clones with personalities. Right, exactly. <laughs> so like, yes, like plot armor, I guess, for Boba. But I, I think like if he is a clone, someone worked really hard in order to make him have that much force power because it's so mm-hmm. difficult to clone a force abilities enhanced person. Like we've just seen it all over canon and legends. It's really hard. Um, I think it would be more prudent to get a source that is untainted by any mm-hmm. sort of extra cloning chromosomes happening there. Like it's just a more viable donor. So I'm guessing at this point that he's not a clone, but it's not out of the possibility. He still could be. Okay. He would just be then like the alpha clone or mm. like if it is a Yoda clone, possibly. I hope not because no, let's just, let's have him no. be just his own self. That's what I'm saying. And I want to trust Queel. Like if there's somebody we can trust from the Mandalorian, <laughs> I think we can trust totally. Queel. That's true. Yeah. Very true. Finally, you can't even count Boba Fett's armor really question mark because that's such an old item yeah we've seen it before but it is new for the series so i'll say we lost a cool item in his like little baby yoda pod true we lost we lost the egg carrier that's super cool item but speaking of eggs why don't we get to our fifth holocron the (laughs) homages and easter eggs really yeah really great (laughs) segue there Flo. And just as a friendly reminder, go go ahead and remind folks, Colleen, why we're not going to do our traditional detailed dorky dive here. Pretty much because we are going to get Easter eggs in every episode, and we're right. pretty much going to cover every Easter egg that we see, especially the big ones. Like, we're going to cover all of the big Easter eggs in our individual episode. We probably have about, what, 90 minutes of Easter eggs already up yeah, there on YouTube? At least. Yeah. In our <laughs> quick takes, everybody. In our remember when we were naive? That, remember when we were naive and thought that that was going to be, and we thought we could get through those in like 10, 15 minutes? No, Every time I no. type in quick takes into the YouTube title, I'm like, oh, no. Yeah, Google Google is like, did you really mean detailed dorky dive? <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, but, who did? I blame Dave Filoni and I blame John Favreau. I blame <laughs> yeah. Anders. Yes. And also Anders. <laughs> <laughs> There's plenty of blame to go around. <laughs> so, I mean, we're going to look more here to the homages instead. So if you haven't checked out those episodes, go on back. That said, every episode so far has been an homage to a different film genre. We've had Western, horror, adventure, and Star Wars itself. Um, will this continue throughout the season? I kind of hope so. Yeah, maybe I could I see. Hope so too. I could see us getting a like a really really good chase episode, mm-hmm. that type of a thriller with the tracker thriller. now. That'd be um, really cool. Maybe yeah, we can delve into the different genres, like the Prison Break episode from last season. Ahsoka's on a forest planet. Maybe mm-hmm. that's like a fairy tale. Yeah, <laughs> that's what just about, what I wanted like, to talk about next. The comedy. fantasy episode. Yeah, we do need another romantic comedy. I need that would a be fantastic. Comedy. Starring Din and some lucky person, so that we can actually see the mask removed. I'll like allow it. Yes, I'd be please. super down. I think I, that would be even funnier if the mask doesn't get removed. Just everything else. Though. <laughs> Will he ever take it off? <laughs> I, I really want to see the fantasy elements come out, though. Um, yeah. As much as we like to say that Star Wars is science fiction, it's really more of science fantasy with space elements involved because the fantastical is so important. The lore is so important. Physics, who needs physics? <laughs> we kind of like like lightly hug physics in Star Wars. It's not like a crisp, firm handshake with physics here. 
And it's not a bad thing. I mean, Mando's pretty coy with the fantasy elements so far. It's been more gritty. It's really stingy with the Force. We Except don't snacks. see a lot of Force unless he needs freaking snacks. Um, and Din, of course, doesn't know about the mysterious space wizards. So can we have some space wizards, please? Yeah, that would be nice. Because that's, that's Star mm-hmm. Wars. It's like that kind of fantastical element. We need right. more lightsaber. Like, give us more lightsaber. All right, we're heading into the next question. <laughs> what about all the eggs, guys? What's with the eggs? What's with the egg imagery? Is this a parenting metaphor? Like a birth metaphor what are we looking at here do you think i think it's parenting and then also i think parenting was season one and baby yoda's development and the egg cracking but as he's being saved and goes forward and starts Mm -hmm. walking it has to do with now childhood yeah i mean i think there might be some like rebirth sort of situation too with just like the jedi are gone apparently people don't know about them and then obviously they're going to come back like we know that so maybe this is like some sort of like interlude of rebirth um but definitely a ton of parenting going on that's very I actually could... eastery because like yeah it is super <laughs> eastery it's the spring. Egg. like spring little baby yoda now hops to you well and yes. baby yoda was like in a tomb in the stone yep. come on it's super i mean even for a jew it's really eastery <laughs> <laughs> to me it's just very parenting but also just kind of that genesis of a family Mm -hmm. that they have officially transitioned out of this kind of just traveling companions or just that protector until i figure out what to do with you into a more cohesive family unit like he's trying to teach them spaceship repairs you know he's uh quality oh boy (laughs) you know just sticking sticking the baby in the tube and giving him live wires uh, now, in terms of Easter eggs, though, there is one correction we do need to make uh, way back in episode one. It turns out that that uh, keg-rolling townsperson on Tatooine was not Sam Witwer. Sorry, Colleen. Saddest day ever. We were not the only people to get that wrong, definitely. No, a lot of people <laughs> a lot of people things got, got it. Because he looks identical yeah. to Sam Witwer. Even Sam Witwer was like, he does look an awful lot. <laughs> Well, maybe this was a clone situation. Uh, Excuse me, Sam Witwer clone actor. <laughs> Give me a call. <laughs> Colleen would like your digits, please. If you could just yes. Snapchat in the comments, that'd be great. Thanks. Yes. <laughs> Let's move on to our sixth holocron, Darth Palladius. What do we know that the characters don't know? Flo, take it away. Well, we basically know almost everything that Din doesn't know. <laughs> he doesn't really know that much, honestly. Yeah, so we know who the Jedi were and that Luke Skywalker would one day attempt to rebuild the Order. bo didn't seem too keen to tell Din about Luke in episode 11, so that was weird. Does she know Luke, though? Like, I don't know. I you guys are the ones who know, know Bo-Katan. <laughs> I think so. Well, yeah, she might know of him. She but, would know I of mean... him since it's like 10 years after Yavin. She wouldn't know him, probably know him, but I think she would know that there's she a- would know like the legend of Luke Skywalker, yeah. but I mean, yeah, yeah I, feel I was like thinking people about would that. Know him. But she would trust Ahsoka more, so she's Much not going to send hmm. Din to like Chandrilla or Coruscant or wherever the hell Luke is at this point. That's also think- she wouldn't know where he was. Yeah, that's so. fair. Yeah, where is he? At this at point, this he's point? probably out searching for some like Jedi texts or mm-hmm. finding a place to build a temple and start his little academy. He's not drinking um, milk straight from the tea yet. 
No, not yet. Not yet. He's not old man Luke yet. <laughs> no. But yeah, I was wondering about that. This gets into kind of that that period from the end of Rebels up until the epilogue, because Rebels ends pretty much like right before Rogue One, A New Hope, right? Yep. yep. So all through the original trilogy and those years afterwards, we don't really know what the Mandalorian's involvement was. Right. Like, other than a few very specific times, they don't seem to have been that involved in the rebellion. And at Probably some point during purged. that period... Well, that's the thing. At some point during that period, it was this purge that we, like, know nothing about, so. Yeah, well, anyways, then she turned him to somebody that she does know to be on the light side, which is Ahsoka Frickantano. So there you go. Which, apparently, we have to say it like that. It's, like, in our contract. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, let's look at the overarching plot so far this season. What of significance has happened? Much more than Flo would think. I mean, I'm over here just saying side quest, side quest, semi quest. <laughs> so, side quest. Mando started off searching for Mandalorians who can tell him more about the Jedi, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so so far he has found some Mandalorians, although not in his particular cult. And they have. He didn't him- know that there were cults. Well, right, right, which is how you know you're in a cult. <laughs> that's okay. a good point that's a <laughs> one kimmy point. schmidt out here just coming up out of the pod Seriously. like <laughs> so they've pointed him towards ahsoka where he'll presumably get to next episode maybe who knows fingers crossed hopeful 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 hopeful, hopeful, hopeful. i don't know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but switching over then to the darker side the bad guy side here there has also been a few developments mm-hmm. so moff gideon um has been pretty much since episode one behind the scenes trying to acquire the child in order to science way into we're not really sure what my guess is still sith experiment cloning things that he gleaned from palpy but not sure either way he is back to being hot on the trail mm-hmm. um so as far as that goes not really a whole lot has changed but they have moved forward in that in that pursuit right and we don't know his involvement with the purge yet like what he actually did yeah i'm sure we will find out and it's Hopefully. not gonna be good and then other things we still don't know as we said we don't know the story of the purge presumably this was post rebels at least the main plot of it um side note when we pick up with sabine a few years later she doesn't mention the purge no. so when she heads off with ahsoka there's no mention of this having happened. Like, as far as we know, she's be- just been chilling on Lothal the entire time. Well, maybe yeah, it's maybe taboo and you don't talk it's... about it. Yeah, that's what I'm, that would be a total plausible yeah. rationality for that. And Ezra could maybe help if she finds him. Like, he could come back and maybe help her reestablish some order on Mandalore. Jeez, he has to save the Chiss culture He's and now he has busy. to come back and save yeah. Mandalorian. Like, seriously, Colleen? He's the yeah, rogue Jedi. <laughs> Yeah, you can't just slide into his DMs. He's busy. He's busy. (laughs) But you know what isn't busy? Our holocron number seven, the defender of droids. Droid liberation and defense organization, that D-L-D-O. One thing is that pretty much for the first major Star Wars property, at least for season two, right? Set aside season one, we don't see a droid as one of the main characters. There's no consistent droid presence in this show. And so first question from the Queen of Queries, how do you three feel about that, the lack of droids? 
I would like to see more droids. <laughs> I love the droids. They're usually comic relief. They're usually an intriguing plot point just because there's that debate about sentience versus mechanical. And mm -hmm. I love that kind of thing when they bring it into Star Wars, especially when you do see droids being emotional and yeah. showing emotions. Like, I would love to see more of that. I already feel like the episodes drag, so <laughs> I feel Something like so you cut, do cut want the it. <laughs> well, okay, so don't get me wrong. I love droids. I'm obsessed with BB-8. I think BB-8 is the cutest. I love R2. C-3PO is hilarious. You know, I I've loved all of them so far. However, I just feel like in this format with like a shorter episode, like I need them to keep things moving and like I don't have time for the beep boops as much as I love them. I just like, I, I love them. I do. Damn. I'm just coming in with the hot take that I like, I just, I need the plot to move faster before they can bring in droids. Like okay. I don't need any more new characters. I need the plot to move. Okay. So, okay. That's okay. it. I love them. I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Anders, what do you, what do you have to I, say in light just, of ugh, these revelations? Oh, Flow and her stinking plot. <laughs> I would love to have some kind of a consistent droid presence on the show. I mean, even season one, we had IG, but he was very different. He wasn't there nearly as often. I mean, every single Star Wars show and film has had a droid sidekick of some at some point like mm -hmm. i don't know maybe i mean i'd be willing to settle for if we turn the razor crest into some kind of like night rider type type situation where the droid consciousness is like in the ship and it's like just throwing sass at mando every time he gets hit plug in yep. zero again like bring richard yeah Iyoti just plug back. zero yeah just plug zero back in um i mean r2 bb8 chopper have like some of the best like sarcastic sass of any characters ever yeah. and they can't yes. actually talk yeah chopper so... swears and curses more than any <laughs> character in star wars yeah here for um <laughs> my question though though considering that those that those droids tend to provide that kind of comic relief is that sort of nonverbal comic relief just being taken up by baby yoda or other characters because mm -hmm. i think i think there's still humor there i oh, think yeah. there's definitely the humor that we love in star wars it's just not necessarily between a Jedi and his robot dog. You know what I mean? Right. Like yeah. it's it's <gasps> transitioned to other characters. There's gonna be a dog in the High Republic. I'm so excited. <laughs> Sorry, tangent. I just get excited about dogs. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like they're playing with fire, making Baby Yoda the only comic relief, because I feel like when he gets taken, which we, I mean, I don't know, I feel like he's definitely going to be taken. Or else I'm with you on that. He's absolutely going to get taken. Yeah. Like, I feel like it's going to get really dark really, really fast because we don't have that additional droid character to be funny. I also just don't think Mando is that funny. Like, no. because of the Western tone, I feel like it's a pretty serious show. Absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. He's only occasionally funny in his ignorance. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We laugh at him. We don't laugh with him. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. To to kind of close out this question, I don't see a droid's presence happening in season two, but I could see a droid presence in season three because Baby Yoda presumably would be walking a little bit quicker. And I could definitely see another kind of nursery nanny kind of droid that has to help out with the baby mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but 
speaking of droids, even though they're not really present from the standpoint when we do see them, has the galaxy changed for droids? Sure, Pally yells at her droids a lot, but she seems rather fond of them. And Din's hatred of them was a big plot device in season one that right. seemed to just kind of go away when IG-11 really proved himself. So I definitely think that as we get older, the relationships that we have with these droids do become more emotional, but that's also because, what's the fancy word for it? I can't remember when you when you implant or impose Imprinting? human emotions. No, 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 no. Oh. Anthropomorphism? Thank you. It starts with an A, that one. And I personification feel like too. We're doing that more with the droids, but what do you three think? I think it depends on the droid. A lot Good of points like R2 and Chopper have been, I guess, alive. They haven't been erased. Like their memories haven't been dumped ever. Yeah. So they have more personality and more apt to show the personality mm -hmm. like a droid just coming off of the assembly line is probably not going to exhibit any of these tendencies right. and the ones we get attached to are the ones that do exhibit the more human emotions like ap5 and rebels he is one of my favorite droids because AP5. he is a snarky asshole I'm I really glad him. you said that because I couldn't remember his name off the top of my head. I love him. <laughs> I love our little Snape droid. But we get attached to them because they're like cranky and snarky and 3PO is out here like, I don't want to be here, y'all. And you keep dragging me places. They just want simple life sometimes too. Why don't we get to the I've got a bad feeling about this critics corner. Colleen, yes. why don't you take it away? Yeah, those first two episodes, <laughs> as you will be able to tell from our first couple pods, they were really enjoyable, but they've received some flack from fans. Like, sure, Timothy Oliphant looks great in anything, for real, anything. anything. Uh, but what does that have to do with the story? Like, what does right. that have to do with the through line of the story? Why the hell are we taking side missions to mess around with giant ice spiders, even though they look cool? Like, but at least Star Wars gave them to us, and we're looking at you, Game of Thrones. We were promised ice spiders, and we didn't get them. The size of you know, we had an ice dragon. All right. We did have an ice dragon, but I wanted ice spiders. Yeah, and besides, the ice who dragon wants, is not who a George wants R. R. Ice spiders. I just want to see them. They look cool. I mean, I don't want them in real life. Good lord, no. <sighs> Terrified of spiders. But like, if you're saying they're gonna be there, there better be a spider. That's fair. So that, I mean, it looks cool, but why was it there? And that's one thing that fans have been Especially kind of tossing to around. start off. This is the yeah. big thing. It's like, give us a side mission, fine, but don't start off with, I, anyways. I'm... As episodes one and two, it's kind of like, this is where we're starting? Okay, yeah. I guess. Like, fine. Yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I enjoyed them both. It fits. The show is more about serialization than it is a feature film. It's more like, like the TV show Gunsmoke than a movie like Unforgiven. Like you we need that kind of- a long time for nothing, is basically what I'm saying. Exactly. <laughs> and that's what a lot of fans are saying. So it's like, that's at least one critique. Look at him, he's like, his head's gonna season two. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we are gonna talk about, Anders is gonna get to talk about this later. Um, but I think that season one also kind of prepared us for this. Like we were supposed to get serialized kind of thing with the adventure of the week tone sure. also and then we were looking for that through line and then of course like luckily episode 11's out there covering some huge plot holes though with yeah. some dirt great man at least and like 
Here's the thing. I needed a vocab moment here for what Dura Creek is <laughs> so that I could understand the reference. And for those of you who didn't, like me, the Padawan, it's a synthetic stone product used to make buildings. So that's like a really cute patch the holes joke, Colleen. <laughs> <laughs> Got you. Got you. So, so good work. Anders, what do you think about this Critics Corner, though, so far? Yes. So I was waiting. For, I wanted to let. I, I wanted. I wanted to let Flo and Colleen and whatever get all the critic critiques out there before I kind of launched into this. Hey, I still like it. I just had to say it <laughs> yeah. was out there. I like it. It's definitely out there. Oh, likes okay. it. She's just like, what the hell is happening? Okay. So yeah. So I wanted to just take a little bit of time and actually dive deeper into this because this has been, I think, the most consistent criticism from yep. fans about the show not just in season two, but even all the way back to season one, how it's doing this like side quest plot of the weep type format instead of a much harder serialized format where it's just like plot driven. Mm -hmm. And just just so I'm 100% clear, I understand the criticism. I, I do. Thank you. But I think it deserves, <laughs> I think, I think it deserves just like, I think it deserves just a little bit more thought and a little bit more nuance. So more analysis. Yeah, a little bit more analysis. So I think we can all agree here, we are very much living through the streaming era of TV, right? Mm -hmm. We're in the Netflix era. Yep. And one of the things that's really risen in the last few years, especially with streaming, is limited series. These things that are like six to ten episodes, they actually, a, a creator kind of just gets money to make however long of a thing they think they need to make their vision. And it's one cohesive story, and then that's it. We're getting a lot fewer of those 22-episode network, network seasons that many shows used to consistently run on, some that still do. Looking at you, Law & Order SVU, I'm still there. Olivia yes. Benson, I love you. Um, for so long, you know, Supernatural just wrapped up another 20-episode season for its final year. And so we are conditioned, I think, at this point, when we see that it's only eight episodes to expect it to be a serialized drama, a single cohesive continuous story, which is pretty much what Flo is saying. Like, why aren't we getting that? First of all, it was doing something a little bit different anyway, when it was, when it, when it came out that Mandalorian was going to be dropping week to week instead of trying to dump all eight episodes at once, which I think was an indicator from the start that this wasn't necessarily something that is meant initially to be binged as a single story. But in addition to that, it's pacing itself much more like one of those 22-episode seasons of Buffy the Vampire Slayer or Supernatural or Stargate, one of my personal favorites. You know, it's got that mission of the week, which is a self-contained story, might still have something to do with the overarching narrative, might, maybe, maybe not. And then just enough things kind of peppered in to give you those through lines, the overarching big bad, Moff Gideon, that everything is going to kind of lead you to eventually so i think if you took the 12 episodes that we have so far and presumably the last four of this season and you thought of them treated them as a single season a single 16 episode season of tv yeah. i don't think the fans would have these complaints no but did you know so that they're actually called season one and season two <laughs> <laughs> they are it's but something they new are. our brains cannot compute <laughs> Exactly. So you I think totally, one or the other. Like you get it's one actually or the other. paced itself very much like one of my favorite my favorite shows on TV. <laughs> it's just so funny and so hilarious. DC's Legends of Tomorrow as part of the Arrowverse. 
is very much the same type of thing. And they tend to get 13 to 18 episodes a season, so it would kind of fit right in that. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about it today. The only actual shows I know that kind of do something even remotely similar to what Mandalorian is doing in terms of this pacing are actually like animated sitcoms like South Park and Archer. They do like yeah, eight yeah. to 10 episode seasons, mm-hmm. soft serialization throughout, and it's mostly mission of the week. Yeah. Right. And I don't think that that's a bad thing. I think it's fine that they're doing that this way. Right. If Din and Baby Yoda are meant to carry the show for presumably five, seven, ten seasons, then we can't just plow ahead with a single serialized plot. Yeah. It's just not going to work. Yeah. If you do that, like you're going to end up in... It's like Rick and Morty, or if you actually do that and you're just plowing ahead, plowing ahead, plowing ahead, you're going to have to end after like season four, like The Good Place. Yeah. Which... Don't get me wrong, the, the Good fine. Place is like, it's fine. The Good Place is like one of the most perfect shows ever created. Yeah. yeah. But you it couldn't go beyond four seasons. Point. Like you exactly. really have to know where you're going to stop in order to do So that. I kind of love the idea that we've got this time to explore various areas of the galaxy and we can just live in this galaxy for a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, I think that's really what it is, Anders, because when you boil it down to it, it really becomes the issue of, do you want side quests to flesh out the galaxy or are you watching a serialized TV show to watch the plot? I mean, it, it, it divides people into right. two camps for sure. Right. For sure. Yeah. And is just don't like forget a series where it is all plot all the time right. or like stranger things where it's pretty much, you have your storyline, every episode pertains to it. And then you get a different season with a different right. problem. Whereas this is like, we have a continuous problem and also all of these side problems. Yeah. And don't forget, I mean, it was only a year or so ago that we were all bitching and moaning that we weren't getting all the side quests and the time it took to get places for the last couple seasons of Game of Thrones. So you know what, universe, pick one. But that was season eight. <laughs> like, and seven. Yeah. Sure, sure. And a different story. (laughs) (laughs) I I just feel like, here. you said a lot of great points that I totally agree with. Like, I actually, I love that it drops week by week. I love that I can't Mm -hmm. binge it. I adore that. It feels like so nostalgic of like having to watch something on a certain day because like, and it's, you know, it's brought us together more as a community because it's like Fridays, like Mando drop day, you know, like we're all Absolutely. in the chat. Mando Water drop day, cooler. I'm texting you guys, being yep. like, guys, watch it, please. I'm already on my second watch. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm like, it's like 2 a.m. for me, and he's already texting me. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, I, I love all that. I do. The issue for me is not so much, again, the side quests themselves. Like, I love seeing more of the galaxy. Obviously, like, I don't get in as deep as you guys do. I respect you a lot for what you guys do. <laughs> But I, I do love seeing it, and I, I think it's a beautiful show. I think yeah. it's stunning. However, just the way they've been putting the episodes in the order that they have, I struggle with because, like, Colleen brought up Stranger Things. Stranger Things holds my attention every single second that I'm watching it. Like, I am so invested in the plot. I'm super invested in all the characters. I'm, like, like my adrenaline is up through the roof. Mando while I love it and while it entertains me every week, I don't, I'm not invested. I'm not like, besides talking with you guys, I'm, and my husband and the rest of our friends, I'm I'm not like on Facebook being like, what's going to happen next week in Mando? Like I was with 
Stranger Things or Game of Thrones or, you know, now with Outlander where I'm just like, bah! <laughs> <laughs> so I love it. I love it. I love it. I, I just need them to stick this season. Like I, I, I need to know where this is going. And also what you brought up is how many seasons are we actually getting of this? Yeah, we don't know. I mean, we don't know. I can see it going for a while, depending on what the missions are. I could see it going for seven or eight seasons. I could see this effectively. Really? I mean, I brought up I brought up Legends of Tomorrow. I could see this being like an arrow and a yeah. a spawning of an entire little side universe. Yeah, because they have to fill decades in like, between Jedi and Force Awakens. Bo-Katan and Ahsoka could eat. Bo-Katan and Ahsoka could easily end up serving as like testing the characters for then their own shows or like having a backdoor pilot at some point. Mm -hmm. I can see this lasting for season eight, like and being like a kind of cutoff point, a midpoint maybe between Jedi and Force Awakens. I don't know if it could span the 30 plus years in between. No, probably not. But it could get us a ways in. I guess I'm seeing this more as like a Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Daredevil situation where there's going to be like two seasons of this, two seasons of that, two seasons of this, and then they all come together for a thing. Could be. That would be cool. That would be cool. Very possible. Mm-hmm. That'd be cool. I'm putting that out there to the universe. That's what yeah. I want. <laughs> I think that's a really good place to end that first critique. How about Colleen? Are there any Easter eggs or returning characters that might be a problem that we haven't covered mm-hmm. already? Yeah, we've also seen a lot of debate about this. Uh, people who aren't familiar with the animated series might feel a little lost when other fans go absolutely bonkers <laughs> over a black lightsaber or a ginger-haired Mandalorian woman. For real. Or Cobb Van from the books. Like, some people are freaking out about it and other people are like, what's wrong new, with y'all? New number, who dis? No. <laughs> new Star Wars. What? No? What? Um but does this take away from someone's enjoyment of the show? Like, are they feeling FOMO if they don't know who these characters are? And that's another good argument to make. Like, what's the balance you need to strike? As someone who's watched Clone Wars and Rebels, I can't say how movie-only people feel about watching Mando, except that some of my friends ask me for a download on certain things after they've watched it, and they're like, who the F is Bo-Katan? And I'm like, oh! I'm ready. I'm ready for y'all. But I can see why they might feel left out for sure. Like they're, because we're freaking out about certain stuff and they're like, you guys are weird, but all right, I guess it's cool. (laughs) Like I think it brings a lot of depth when they use these kind of callbacks in the series into the, like from existing canon. Um, And Favreau would have had to have gone way outside of established canon in order to not include some of these things especially the time frame he chose. If he did choose somewhere that was closer to Force Awakens, he might have avoided this kind of Easter egg situation, but then we get the fans who really want the Easter eggs. So yeah. what is the right balance? Does Mando balance well? I guess that's my question. Flo, why don't you take it and then Anders? Sure. I mean, I like letting people have nice things. So I'm excited for you guys every <laughs> week when you guys yeah. are like, Darksaber, Bo-Katan, blah, 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 you purge of Mandalore or whatever. I'm like, that's awesome, guys. Like, I'm super <laughs> thrilled for you because I wish that somebody would do that for me and my fandoms. Like, I need a Marauder series yesterday for Harry Potter. 
please. Yes. Please. That, so, absolutely. Ab definitely. You know, mm -hmm. so I'm just like thrilled for you guys that you get this sort of development in this world that you're extremely invested in. For me, as a most, I have watched some Clone Wars and I mean, I, I've got like other sources that give me information, but <laughs> I am mostly a movie person, specifically more adept in the prequels. <laughs> and I don't feel like I'm missing out. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm enjoying, again, despite all my criticism, I am really enjoying the show. I'm following the story. Like, I don't feel like I'm lost in any way. I certainly feel like some things I, if I chose to, I could flesh out more for myself, but I don't expect anybody to hold my hand or do it for me. Bingo. Um, specifically, like not the directors or the writers, like that's my business. If I need to know more, I've got Google. So I'm, and I've got you guys. Yep, <laughs> exactly. Google. Exactly. Anders, how about you? Yeah. So I think Colleen put it really well that what is the balance? And I think that actually one of the brilliant things that the show has done is strike that balance. The The major Easter eggs or the major characters that they're pulling in from other places are things that are just straight up cool in and of themselves. They are cool. Bo-Katan is a cool character in her own right even if you have absolutely no idea who she is. Yep. Um, I was After that episode came out, I was talking to my brother, um, who also watches Mandalorian, but he's never seen Clone Wars. He's never watched Rebels, like anything like that. And he, he asked me, he was like, Did, do you know who that, who, who that lady is? And I was like, oh, yeah. She's, and he's like, oh, do you know her from like the books or something? And I was like, yeah, it's just the animated series. Like she's been in a few of those. Um, and I mean, he wasn't like upset that I knew more than he did or that I had this kind of like understanding or appreciation for it. He thought she was just kind of cool to see. Same thing with the Darksaber at the end of season one. He's got a point. I was talking to him and I was like, oh, that was so cool when the Darksaber came out. And he was like, oh, that thing has a name. I just thought it was a cool, <laughs> I just thought it was like a cool black lightsaber thing yeah, going on. Cool. Yeah. Um, so even though that there are things that explain all this stuff, and things like the Darksaber, you, I'm sure we're still going to get an explanation of that within the Mandalorian yeah. at some point. Like, they're not going to require you to go back and see that to get that history. Like, the fact that Bo-Katan is looking for it, if she becomes a larger presence in the Mandalorian, I'm sure she will give some kind of a Cliff Notes version of the Darksaber's importance. Yeah, yeah totally. Definitely. I think I think the Mandalorian is beautifully tying the past Star Wars with the present Star Wars, both with the actual storyline and also the in references. And speaking of an in reference that's not really a critic's corner for us, but more purely we've got a bad feeling about this. Last but not least, is the armorer com coming back mm. and will there be almost a battle for Din's Mandalorian soul between her and Bo-Katan? We've got a bad good feeling that there's going to be a journey to break from the cult's hold. And if so, it may be la long and arduous. What do you guys think? I think yes. <laughs> I think you don't use a character like the armorer and then discard her. I think she'll be back. And since Din is one of the last left of her part of the cult, if, if there are other coverts that are also part of the cult, it remains to be seen. How big is the cult? It could be a problem, especially if one of them decides that they should have the Darksaber and be the Mandalore. 
like mm. that could definitely be a problem moving forward mm -hmm. and a bad feeling about that guy uh yeah i think <clears throat> i think that'll be a really interesting one of the cool things that they did with the armor particularly in his in his co is it covert sorry is it covert covert, covert. His, covert. His, his covert um is that when they introduced them to us like we had absolutely no idea that there was anything else going on we knew that there was right. this purge and it was very insular it almost indoctrinated us into that cult in season one that's how they do it. That's how they get you. Yeah, and they actually did that pretty well. So now that, so we very much empathize, sympathize with Din's position mm -hmm. within that because they did rescue him. They raised him. And that is, in fact, all he knows of that culture. They saved him from those B2s um, who killed his family. So we're inclined to empathize with them so that if that turn comes and they become more of the antagonists, it's going to make for some really great, I think, storytelling. Yeah, I agree with everything you guys have said. I'm just excited to know more about the cult itself and how it's came to be and how it's different than the rest of the Mandalorians. And I, just, mm -hmm. I think it's going to be great. I think that's a really good plot line. So. Awesome. Yay, plot! Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Flo, as we move forward with our plot, how about you tell us who won the episode, the best, best car? Flo, tell <laughs> us who did the best outer rim job for us. <laughs> I honestly just like cannot believe that you gave me this part. <laughs> I feel so honored um, to be able to award the best outer rim job. <laughs> and today it goes to the guest cast. Whoop Good job. Good rim job, everybody. Um, <laughs> Out of rim job. <laughs> sure, if you say so. Uh, one thing the show excels at is bringing in the talent. Mm. Timothy Oliphant as Cobb Banth, yum, is all I have to say about that one. Uh, Katie Sackhoff <laughs> as Bo-Katan, and the vast um, just well of talented actors who agreed to appear in bit parts on this show. It's honestly amazing. Mm -hmm. imagine your agent calling you saying that you're up for a top secret role on some disney project like what are you hoping for marvel star wars well i'm a woman so either way i'm very nervous well, yeah. <laughs> First of all, i'm nervous if somebody is calling me on my phone I'm like i'm not being yeah. <laughs> uh i think it depends on where i am in my career if i need a if i need something for a franchise i'm definitely hoping marvel but if I'm hoping for like just a bit, if I'm like, you know what, I'm good. I can do like a bit part for something. Definitely Star Wars. Yeah. I'm crossing my fingers for that. Marvel just because so many hotties in Marvel. I'm just like, please, <laughs> I will. I just want to be with Tom Holland all the time. Spider-Man, so. Spider-Man, Spider-Man. Yeah. So if you're watching this, um, casting directors, I'm available for any project that you would like to pair me up with Spider-Man. <laughs> I'm nervous for so, both because of the fridging that I think that's what Sarah means when as a woman we're a little nervous about right. both because of the fridging incidents but right. I would pick Star Wars if I had to pick but they're both fantastic yeah so on that guest cast front I do have one like completely wild and out there theory that I developed over the last couple of weeks um, that I want to throw out there so given Star Wars's tendency to as we said bring in some absolutely top-notch talent like absolutely. and 
particularly British ones and to stick them in roles that you would have absolutely no idea. I'm thinking specifically movie-wise when we found out that Daniel Craig, Prince Harry, and Prince William all appeared as Stormtroopers <laughs> in the sequel trilogy. So given all of those things, I am going to throw it out that before the end of season two is out, that for some reason, somehow they were filming next to the crown at one point and the queen herself, Olivia Coleman, makes an appearance Ooh. by the end of the season. And we will find out later that she is like under heavy prosthetics. If you guys don't know, Anders is obsessed with the crown. <laughs> I was going to say, you've been watching a lot of the crown lately. <laughs> I fin- no, I only watched one season of it. I did it last weekend. It's fine. Only um, season one? Once- you've only seen no, no, no. Lately, no, I've only seen one. Okay. I've only watched one season. I watched the newest season the day it came out. <laughs> yeah, it's totally But also, normal. I mean, Olivia, Olivia Coleman is just such an amazing actress, like not only in serious roles like The Crown, but I mean, got her turn in Fleabag and, um, and The Favorite. Like, I just think she would be, be totally that type of person who they would call up and say, yo, you're up for like a top secret Disney cameo in Star Wars. And she's like, yo, I'm there. Yeah, sign me up. Put I want to be Ed Sheeran. Ooh, I feel another like Ed GOT crossover. His, his game of yeah, he got his Game of Thrones cameo. I want to see his Star Wars cameo. I'd allow that. Was that. Specifically yeah. for Maisie Williams, right? That was like yeah. that was literally yes. done because she was a fan of his. Well, great. Mm. I'm a fan of his too. So <laughs> get him on Star Wars. <laughs> You're a little short for a stormtrooper, aren't you? Yes. <laughs> Poor Ed. He's like, I'm a stormtrooper. Yay. He's Speaking great. of short, why don't we get to the inner rim? Which character won the episode? Anders, do you want to kick us off? So if we're talking about the first half of this season as a whole, I say the frog lady won, all right? Oh, yeah. She absolutely, she escapes the ice spiders with most of her eggs intact, reunites with her husband, gets it on, and has her, and has her babies. Yep. Plus, she gets to actually see some character growth out of Baby Yoda, who goes mm-hmm. from viewing her eggs as snacky snacks to those adorable little baby tadpoles. Yep. Full full arc there. Full arc. Full arc. Two I episodes. Mean, you, are, you already know I'm super here for Frog Lady. Frog Lady can do no wrong in my book. Um, she is great. And I'm obsessed with her. And good, good job, Frog Lady. Good job, tadpoles. Keep growing. I want to see Frog, like babies not tadpoles but like as they grow i want to see them just like hop around i just want an entire spinoff of the frog people so yep and i would say that there's a slight argument for cobb vance since he got his dragon slayed with the help of din so like his major worry is out of you know commission and there's a sort of kind of maybe argument for din at the end of the four episodes since he's got his mission he's got his information he's got his kiddo and his ship is in tip-top shape for flying but mm-hmm. unlike that the frog lady that yeah, I was gonna say, yeah yeah <laughs> that's what i was gonna say so like with the frog lady everything has fully arced with din i'm kind of i guess really excited to just get going yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. i think frog lady is the Winner for me, although there's an argument for Moff Gideon mm. also. He is His doing pretty well. seem to be falling into place. I think we'll That's find true. out next week if they are going to fall into place as well as he'd like, but he right. looked pretty damn happy on his cruiser. Like, he yes. looks like he's ready. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm ready for some Master and Apprentice, and we had got a ton of great questions for this episode, and thank you so much to everyone who contributed. Our resident X-Wing pilot and light side collab- I couldn't say collaborator there for a minute. <laughs> Tori, 
Um, she asks, if the goal is to hand over the baby to someone, then kind of WTF, where does the show even go from here? And my main theory kind of gets to one of the things that we had started discussing earlier. I'm not convinced that Mando, well, Din is ever going to fully let go of little mm-hmm. baby Yoda, even if he gets a, even if he gets a proper teacher. So I really think that even though at the beginning of season one, he thought he'd just hand him over and I can't wait to get rid of this kid. Sorry, Clan Mudhorn all the way. What do you three think? Yeah. Or he might try to and then get like a system away and be like, nope, and then turn right back around. Yeah. Which would would be a callback to season one as well. I would say Max, I mean, I think we're all pretty much in agreement that he's going to lose him at some point for several episodes. And then I would say when the time comes, yeah, maybe you end a season with him handing him over, but then by like episode two or three of the next season, he's coming back to get him. Like yeah, I, I mean, I just think overall, like, the show has placed so much stock on Baby Yoda, and I wonder if that's wise, honestly. Just, like, we'll I, I really worry yeah. about it. From I worry a marketing about... aspect? Yeah, well, and just, like, if anything happens to Baby Yoda, like, there's nobody else carrying the show. So if they're not together, I don't care about Din. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's a struggle that I have. Right. Well, Tori's friend Johnny um, asks, does the big bad Moff G have Jedi Sith envy? And where is Star Wars's version of Freud there to weigh in? And I personally think, again, hearkening to some of the things that we had been talking about in early episodes, I think that it's totally possible that Moff G wants that Jedi um, like shot straight to his veins and he's just waiting for the clones to pass the test so i don't think it's just envy i think the man is making moves Mm -hmm. yeah yeah feeling too i i and i think we're going to address this a little bit later um you know if he's actually connected to the emperor's experiments or whatever going on in exegol or if he's trying to essentially just take power for himself right Mm -hmm doing those experiments would ultimately, I think, indicate that he's actually trying to do this for himself. He is attempting to level up and take the place of the Emperor and Darth Vader, who he's definitely emulating with that armor. Yep. 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 And they're always talking about in the books how there's random moths just hanging out, waiting to step into Palpatine's shoes. So Mm -hmm. it's definitely possible. But I mean, like, since we've never really heard of this guy, does that mean that ultimately he loses? If he's like trying to become Palpy, we know he doesn't become Palpy. Right. Yeah, my guess is no. that he loses, but we well, don't he know loses in the sense that he doesn't get like Galactic Dominion. Whether or not he loses in terms of being able to get some Force abilities and raising some hell, oh, sure, we don't sure, know. Sure. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. 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 Colleen, why don't you take mm. the next question since I think you had mm. a really nice answer for it? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Netta Atabani asks, "What are those black trooper things they showed at the end of the last episode?" Um, We did cover this a little bit (laughs) in our last pod, but we wanted to dig a little bit deeper. Um, There are a few things these dudes could be, but here are our top two choices. Number one, the Dark Troopers. These are advanced battle droids and infantry exoskeletons that resemble an armored stormtrooper. So that's why they kind of look like stormtrooper helmets. Uh, They're really powerful weapons, including (laughs) jump packs, which is 
another frog imagery coming in here, which is like <laughs> a jetpack's little brother, basically, like springs in your feet that can give you a it's like Superman advantage. before he could actually fly. Yes, like you can jump it's pretty cool. in a single bound. So it gives you a tactical advantage over humanoids who can't do this. Um, let's see, one version of the Dark Trooper armor is also able to be worn as like a battle set tech suit, which is kind of cool. Like you can throw a stormtrooper in there and it's like a power loader. I was going to say like Iron Man. Yeah, a little bit like Iron Man too. Mm -hmm. uh, one version, let's see. Uh, no, they're the main antagonists also of the video game that we talked about last time, which is Dark Forces, where the playable protagonist, Kyle Katarn, his mission is to destroy these guys, destroy the project. So it looks like here he didn't succeed if these are Dark Troopers, like Gideon's, go, got, Gideon's got it up on him. And then the second one, we think it could be our Shadow Troopers, who are Force-sensitive Storm Troopers. So they're sentient humanoid beings that are Force-sensitive. And they wield red lightsabers. So that would be kind of cool. Yeah. To see and Ahsoka it, come up against these guys with red lightsabers. Yeah. And it would be a reason for the cloning, too. I mean, yes. it, just, it just makes sense. Yeah, if these are, like, more test subjects for, for, for sensitivity, it yep. could be them. And they're from another video game with our guy, Kyle Katarn, called Jedi Knight 2, Jedi <laughs> Outcast. Yep. So just more Legends video game stuff coming in either way. But I, I would put my money on Dark Troopers at this point. Anders, why don't you take the next one for us? Sure. So Netta also asked us, what are some side characters you think we're likely to see or that we would actually like to see from Clone Wars, Rebels, the books, throughout the rest of The Mandalorian? Any chance of Ventress, Barriss Afi, the Bendu, anybody else? So on the Ventress front, I would absolutely love to see a live-action version of her. But I think personally, I'd rather see it be like an adaptation of Dooku Jedi Lost or Dark Disciple. Yeah. Um, if you haven't read either of those, I highly recommend them. They're great. Um, Dark Disciple in particular was originally intended as an arc for the Clone Wars TV series that never ended up happening. Mm -hmm. So to see that finally adapted and in live action to boot would be really, really cool. Um, the other character she mentioned, Barris Offie, would be really interesting to bring in in some way. I'm not sure how they would necessarily bring her in. Um, a character like the Bendu, this kind of like outside of the Jedi Sith general like force user, very powerful, um, mm -hmm. would be Very cool. powerful moose. Yes. A very powerful, very big moose. Yes. Um, I mean, for me personally, other than those ones, I would love to see Harris and Dula or Zeb from Rebels brought in in some way. Mm -hmm. um, and shocking, I'm sure absolutely no one. I want to know what my boy Hondo's been up to. Yeah. Since, <laughs> uh, the... <laughs> it's such a romance. Yo, Give he would be amazing. Pirates. Give us yeah. the space pirates. Let's see mm -hmm. what's been going on on that front. Um, my other long shot one would be Snap Wexley, who does appear in the sequel trilogy, mm -hmm. and his droid, Mr. Bones, the yes, Ninja B1 battle droid. Yes, please. <laughs> then we'd have our droid. <laughs> yes, but what about you guys? Anybody else that you would want to see or you think that we're likely to see? So I just want to see Ezra. Period. I was going to say, I have an obsession with a character that we never, ever, ever talk about and that you guys probably know what happened to, but since I don't know anything, I've got no idea. I like really love Kira 
from Solo, and I mm-hmm. really want to see Kira in something else. We don't. I would love to know what happened to Kira. We don't know what happened to her. Oh, thank God. Okay, neither do I. <laughs> <laughs> so I would like to see Kira. Like, I would love it if she was working with Moff Gideon. <laughs> I mean, that would be really be. cool. Wouldn't that be yeah, sick? she okay, could be. Thank you. Maybe she took over that syndicate when Maul finally, uh, right. when Maul finally fell. I'm guessing that Vader I'm took out Maul, but that would be awesome too, just to see Kira and Maul. There. Yes. Well, we know what happened. No, we know Obi Wan took out Maul. Well, not in that way. I mean, how did how did he get <laughs> taken out from his syndicate? Like, how did he get ousted from his syndicate? Yeah, Anders. That's what. How I did he say. get ousted from his syndicate? That's what she wants to know. He left willingly <laughs> because he was obsessed with Kenobi. No, he didn't. The first part in Rebels, he wants the weapon to destroy Palpatine. So, like, I think Vader defeated him in some way, and that's why he's afraid of him when they're on the planet waiting and. He senses Vader's coming and he's like, ah, shit. (laughs) Well, I'll let you two debate it on another episode. In the meantime, friend of the pod, Jason Zambricki, asked us who our guest dream director would be for season three. And I'm really bad about guest director names. So I'm going to pass the baton over to Anders. Sure. So my person, I mean, my, I have, to here, one I think is much more realistic. One of them is a little bit of a pipe dream. <laughs> um, so I would love to see Amanda Tapping come in and direct an episode. She's got a very solid background in TV directing. She's done a few episodes in the Arrowverse. Um, she did a few episodes in Supernatural where she also guest starred and she did at least one episode from her home franchise, Stargate. Um, and so I think that this would be a really cool franchise to kind of step up with a slightly bigger budget and do something different in that way. Now, from a more like stunt hire or a symbolic angle, I think it would be amazing if Billy Lord was able to come in and direct as Carrie Fisher's daughter. Mm. Um, to direct an episode of a Star Wars show would just be like a really, really cool, powerful moment unfortunately right now she doesn't really have any experience directing i mean i think her appearance in the force awakens was her first actual professional acting gig so maybe that's more of something that could happen in like season five rather than season three that'd be cool flo do you want to take oh no go ahead no go flo in terms of directors i would say anybody who worked on jessica jones because i'm in my Mm. rewatch right now Mm. and that show is it's really great that show is shot really well yeah it's women right all women writers women directors that would be awesome so Uh, speaking of women directors i would guess sofia coppola would be Mm. really interesting to see what her idea of star Mm. wars would be within this universe and since robert rodriguez is directing an episode this season can we get quentin tarantino whoa (laughs) up in here you're going big I mean, just direct or would he have to write it as well? Do you think? I think direct. I think he would need, I mean, he could try a pass at a script, but then Favreau gets the last say in Mm -hmm. what happens on the show. So he'd probably be like, we can't just say Dank Farrick the entire time, Quentin. (laughs) Like, we need to switch some stuff up here. But his interpretation, I think, would be really interesting. I'm really excited to see Robert Rodriguez's episode this season. That's going to be. Very cool, like aesthetically different. You want to get different kind of voices and visions in there. I think Sofia Coppola would be cool, just because she's very female-centered. Also, so like give her a Kira episode if we got Kira still around. That'd be really fun. So, do you want to take the next one for us? 
Sure. My buddy, Ethan. <laughs> uh, Ethan is wondering about snacks. He says, it's widely speculated that the Mekahol in episode four were spearmint flavored, but I was wondering if you geeks had any insight into that. I personally like to think they were peanut butter flavored, but just had that green food dye. Anyhow, thanks. I really want it to be elderflower or elderberry <laughs> flavored. I don't think that exists in the Star Wars universe. Chocolate does, but we don't know about elderflower or elderberry. But macarons, yes, give me all of them. But for flavor wise, I would definitely want it to be something like elderberry. What if it was just like a milk and cookies flavored with blue milk? I that think that that too. makes I a lot of sense. I think it's very likely either that or some cotton candy flavor. Ooh. Yeah. I love cotton candy yeah. flavor. The only like other guess I had flavor. is space schnozberries, but that's probably <laughs> not a kiddo snack. Schnozberries? Do they taste like schnozberries? <laughs> only in space. <laughs> it's spotchka cookies. It's yeah. booze. Oh, wow. I don't know. Cool. Personally, like, I, don't, I don't like macarons, so I will let you guys ultimately decide that one. Well, I do, people, and I like flows best. <laughs> French people don't make blue foods, really. So, um, yeah, it, it wasn't a French macaron, that's for sure. It was some bastardized space pastry <laughs> how dare you space pastry <laughs> colleen why don't you take the next one as we uh, watch you enjoy your delicious macaroon yeah, which is how i pronounce it because i'm uncultured and live well, on the a outer macaroon rim. is made with coconut that little coconut oh, yeah. cookie well, we eat for passover so then wait see i would say macaroon or macaron macaron well, macaron macaroon is no, Macron is the president. Yeah, Macron, Macron is our president. <laughs> yeah, Macron is. is the president. Macaroon is Passover coconut gluten-free snack. Macaron is Macaron. a French cookie. Yeah, that's the one that I'm trying to say. but That are really yeah. hard to make. I didn't you know those were different things. <laughs> <laughs> Other than the president, I didn't know that those were different well, things. Well, next time we'll do BGS quick takes on French food. Yeah, okay. there you go. <laughs> While we wait on that, Colleen, why don't you drop yes. our next question? Our next question is kind of a composite from two people. We have Damon England and Sean Mellon. Damon's was with the possibility of them using the child's DNA to make maybe Snoke or Palpatine in the future. What are your thoughts on the Mandalorian tying into the sequel trilogy in a way and others going forward? And Sean said, how do you feel about the Mandalorian plugging some of the plot holes in the sequel trilogy? <laughs> Savage. Um, I, I, I'm hoping this isn't Snoke or Palpatine. I'm hoping it's yeah. separate. I'm hoping that Gideon is doing his own thing. I think it's possible that this technology could be stolen from him. Like he's paving the way with Dr. Pershing and it's not even Gideon's obviously to steal his Pershing's really. So if Pershing defects to the unknown regions with the research, I think that would be interesting. And that would be like Palpatine be like boasting, like, oh, I created Snoke. And they're like, actually, Dr. Pruden created Snoke, but we're not going to badmouth Palpatine <laughs> right now. Oh, I see. Based on the timeline you're saying, Colleen? Yes. Yep. Which would, I think... which would plug a little plot hole in there. Like, how did Palpatine get this technology? I think as long as it's a small plot hole plug. I think if you go too big, then it stops being a wedding of Star Wars and a forced yeah. narrative. Right. Yeah. And I think that's kind of where my thought process comes into it too. Like I, because if Palpatine created Snoke, presumably Palpatine had the tech already there on Exegol to create clones of himself 
which means he can already clone a force user. So why does he need baby Yoda then to create right. Snoke? There's, yeah. there's no real reason for him to need that. Um, I like the idea maybe of Pershing defecting or like stealing the research. He's secretly an agent for him, but I really like the idea of the unknown, the stuff going on in the unknown regions, the, at this point, the first order is first starting to kind of come together out there and build itself. Mm-hmm. And I like the idea that they are mostly separate in doing that. Yeah. When it comes to plugging the plot holes, I'm going to go back to what I said earlier about this like balance of these Easter eggs and still being like kind of cool on their own. The idea that the Mandalorian is its own self-contained thing with connections to other things, but it's not required for you to understand things like I would like the sequel trilogy, each movie individually even, to stand on their own and not have required supplemental things that you have to watch to understand. Correct. Yep. Because that's just, they tried that, when you get, especially between movies and TV shows, when you try and get that really, really integrated thing in there, they've tried it. They tried it with the first couple seasons of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I think most people agreed that those were the weakest they got much better when they were able to just kind of branch off and do their own thing. Right. Like you can have those soft callbacks and connections between them, but to actually require them to be meshed together is just not as powerful and not as good. It's yeah. hard to do. Well, moving on to our next question, Leahy wants to know, would you be upset if characters like Ahsoka or Bo-Katan were to pull too much focus away from Mando and little baby Yoda? What's a good balance? I know we love animated Filoni characters, but Mando and little baby Yoda deserve to be, um, they deserve to continue to be the main characters of their own show. And I really think we answered this already. I really like Flo's answer Mm -hmm. where she considered the two different, like two for this season, two for that season, two for that season. I think that's totally possible. And we also discussed how we don't think that Din and little baby Yoda are going to be truly separate. So Mm -hmm. to the extent we're watching the Mandalorian, it's going to be on the Mandalorian as we know him, Din. Any, anything else to add you guys? No, but I I think we'll just get sneak peeks of them. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't think I would be upset. Like I, I don't know Ahsoka well, obviously, but I know everybody's really excited to see her, and I, I won't be upset if we get an episode that's mostly on her or instead of, you know, LBY, but, like, I think there's enough screen time for everybody, and until LBY speaks... Really? Even if they don't, you know, move the plot forward? I, if Ahsoka comes in and does not move this <laughs> effing plot forward, I am going to throw my TV out the window. A day in the life of Ahsoka Tano. <laughs> And then Din and the baby don't show up until the last What minute. if it's just like the Ahsoka Tano holiday special VR porn? For sure. For sure. So I don't know. I, I don't think they can do anything to really upset me. Like, I'm not upset at the show. I'm yeah. happy to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Colleen, why don't you take the next one? <laughs> John Mayer, our friend from the UK. Uh, what ingredients from the Star Wars universe would Grief Karga use to get a stew going? <laughs> well, who's he cooking for? Because if it's little baby Yoda, there's definitely going to be some living amphibian life. <laughs> yeah, there needs to be some sort of meat base. My guess is that he's getting a crepe dragon bone, just a couple of like weird root vegetables that are native to Tatooine, and that's all you need to get a stew going. 
That actually sounds kind of good. Yeah, that crate dragon on a spit looks really good. Yes, it did. Yep, just get some crate dragon steak, toss her on in there, get it a going. Like a, I don't know, like the French stew flow that the bourguignon, crate dragon bourguignon. Like yes, oh bourguignon. But what about like what if he was making more of like a cocovin? But this and this is just to piss off my. This head. has become like a podcast within a <laughs> podcast where we talk about French food, and I'm not upset. Hello, I'm Flo Siegel. Really You're now. Julia Julia Child. <laughs> um, I'm saying this just to piss off my husband. I think he makes a great porg ovo. And Aww. what's the in joke for people? I don't get it. Oh, my husband porg? works with porg. Oh, porg. The porg. Oh, oh my goodness! No, I, think, I was I like, think he's nomming all the porgs. Sarah is now traumatized. First of all, first My of brain all, compute it. Poultry doesn't make for good stews. Let's uh, let's just me. be real. Okay, but maybe he's making like a pork noodle soup. Okay, it, okay, <laughs> I'll give you that. But it's not going to be a stew. Pork tandoori. <laughs> exactly. Maybe he's not a stew guy. Okay, it's pretty hot on Tatooine. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe he's bringing India the frozen tauntaun. Oh, that's a frozen tauntaun steaks. Let us uh-huh. go out a little bit on Navarro lava. Yeah. Gosh, I'm so hungry. <laughs> <laughs> Anders, why don't you get us to that next question? Our sure. last, our last and final. <laughs> last one. This comes from Keith. Where is Din getting his weapons resupply? It seems he <laughs> has this magic never-ending supply and he really poorly budget budgets his whistling birds. That's the one that I'm definitely like. They made him the whistling bird, and they were like, "You're only gonna get like one shot," and he's used it like six times. Yeah. <laughs> Where is he? At least twice. Stuff? Yeah. Yeah. The armor was like, "Be very careful when you use these because there aren't very many of them." Like, so how is he doing this? <laughs> he's using just... them to the point where Baby Yoda knew to close the thing. He saw the he saw the wrist light yeah. up and was like, yeah. "And I'm out." Right. I assume that he resupplied some at Navarro, not necessarily the whistling birds, but I'm pretty sure he got hooked up pretty darn well when he just did his pit stop. So I'm, I'm going in at the halfway point season four, he's restocked and ready to go. The fastest pit crew in the history of the world. Yeah. (laughs) Like, dang, those two were fast. Unless they were calling in other droids and stuff. How? (laughs) That's a timing issue, of course, but they had to have been like every droid on the planet converge upon the ship and fix it. Yeah. I just don't really get how this guy has so much money. He's a bounty hunter. Well, I know, but like he hasn't done a freaking job in like a season. <laughs> well, we met him. Well, he got the entire he got the entire payment from Baby Yoda, which was a huge one. Sure. Huge. That was enough. That was enough to make his whole suit of armor. But and when we first saw him. When we, yeah, but he doesn't ever pay for food. Hopefully, he has some savings. <laughs> I mean, when we first saw him, when he when he iced that that mithril in season one, he had like a whole stack of of guys going back. Yep. Yeah. So he's got like some money. So long ago, like. Well, you know what? Money, and also he's been like on all these side quests. He's been like saving people, so they just give him stuff to. Uh, I was. About? I was just gonna say where we should end it now is teasing Flo with a side quest of Din having to go catch more people on a bounty before oh we have God, to meet Ahsoka. He's going should... to talk to the banking clan. <laughs> Yes, exactly. So I think that's the perfect place for us to leave it today. 
Thank you so much for being with us and come back next time as we continue exploring the Mandalorian and other geeky topics. You can enjoy us in our podcast forum and our YouTube forum. Either way, please subscribe because it really does help and add those. You know what? We're in a galaxy. Hit us up with five freaking stars and a little review. Check out our website at bohemiangeekstudies.com where you can watch all of our episodes and enjoy Colleen's Book Corner where she's reviewing Star Wars literature and you can contact us through email and social media, especially to ask those delicious questions. And as always, keep telling Nerdy Nights to join us because it really does help. Until next time, sabers up and keep those episodes streaming. Bye! Here's my guys. <laughs>